we have two scripture readings this morning. The first is from the Gospel of Luke. One short line. From everyone to whom much has been giving, given, much will be required. And from one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. And as Catherine read to the children, this passage from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, one of the earliest churches as they are being formed, Paul writes this. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. And will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. I really don't like talking about money. So when Catherine began her sermon last week with the confession that she was tempted to swap sermon topics with Richer I, I almost laughed out loud. I feel the same. I would have gladly preached on the topic of grow or serve because I've been apprehensive about preaching our stewardship topic of sharing ever since I saw my assignment because I really don't like talking about money. You see, I was raised in a family that never talked about our finances. In fact, I was raised to believe that it was impolite to talk about money, even within our family. So to stand up here today to talk about how we might share not only our time and talent, but our financial gifts, well, I am way out of my comfort zone. But here is what is giving me strength to stand before you today. First, of course, is God. I have prayed more over this sermon than I think any other sermon I have ever delivered. And secondly, when I thought about it, I really believe so deeply about the mission of our church and ministry that I now stand before you unapologetically about to ask you to be very, very generous in the sharing of your gifts. And ultimately, you will hopefully and prayerfully discern with God what you will share, but I hope to give you at least a few things to consider as you are prayerfully discerning. Well, generosity, began in the beginning. We were created in the image of God, whose opening act in creation in the book of Genesis is generosity. The words generous and genesis spring from the same etymological source. You have often heard us say, all good gifts come from God, and that springs from the story of Genesis. All that we possess, whether meager or great, is given to us by God's grace not as some reward for being very good or very special, but rather as an act of God's call to us. From the beginning, God places us in a position of stewardship and, yes, responsibility. 
The natural corollary to this empowering character of the gifting God is that the gifts don't just empower us to be all that we can be for our own pleasure and prosperity, but to fulfill what God needs from us for God's purposes in the world. As we heard from the Gospel of Luke, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be required. We've been entrusted with this myriad of gifts that God has given us to care for and share with the world. And we've been entrusted with the gifts that we have received from the generous saints who have come before us. Both Catherine and Patty mentioned those. And in the reading from Corinthians, we hear the words of those early church founders who were often even martyred for their beliefs in Christ, that even in their affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity. They voluntarily gave according to their means, even beyond their means, for the privilege of sharing in ministry. This is our heritage from the earliest founders of Christianity, the privilege of generosity, sharing in ministry. And so now fast forward a couple thousand years and we continue to benefit from the saints that have come just before us. Yes, the saints that built this congregation who continued to support area charities when they weren't even sure how they would pay the mortgage on this building the saints who built the education building to ensure that our children and our children's children would always have a safe place to learn how deeply they are loved by God. The saints who helped fund academies like the Chicago Theological Seminary to ensure that you have educated clergy. And the saints who were motivated, who motivated our congregation to be co-founders of organizations like Beds Plus, who house and support the homeless. We have inherited tremendous gifts from those who have come before us, and for that we have much to be grateful for. And now it is our time to invest in the ongoing vibrancy and ministry of this congregation, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of our children and our children's children. After all, we just promised Anson Moss and all the babies baptized before her and those to come in the future, our love, support, and care. In her book, The Sum of Us, Heather McGee reminds us, a functioning society rests on the web of mutuality, a willingness among all involved to share enough with one another to accomplish what no one person can do alone. For us, a functioning congregation rests on the web of mutuality, a willingness among all involved to share enough with one another to accomplish what no one person can do alone. Well, think about that for a moment in the context of this worship service. What if the musicians weren't willing to share their musical talents to help us experience the divine? What if Catherine weren't willing to share her wisdom with the children or her beautiful pastoral prayer? What if no one volunteered to greet you at the door or hand you a bulletin or help you get seated? What if Ricky didn't share his technical expertise to make sure that folks can worship from afar? What if none of you shared the gifts of your very presence here today? 
And what if those of you at home didn't write or call to tell us what's working remotely and yes, what's not, so we can provide the best possible virtual experience we can. And one of my favorites, what if Scott and Felipe hadn't arrived early to brew the coffee? What if all those Sunday school teachers didn't decide to teach today? A functioning congregation rests on the web of mutuality, a willingness among all involved to share enough with one another to accomplish what no one person can do alone. And this includes our time, our talent, and yes, our money. If you have not had the opportunity to participate in the budgeting process here at church, let me tell you that it is one of the most exciting times of the year around here. I know that sounds a little strange, but to witness staff and members of ministry teams dream and vision for the future is beyond inspiring. It's holy. It gives me goosebumps to hear about all the new and exciting initiatives being done in children's ministry. It would be so easy to just keep using the same curriculum year after year, but no, we're adapting a brand new curriculum for Sunday school and a whole new way of teaching confirmation. Our choir and musicians are so excited to plan and rehearse for a significant offering of music when they will perform Eternal Light with orchestra. Our techie people are looking forward to continuing to improve the way we offer virtual worship, including adjusting the lighting so it doesn't look like your clergy have three heads when we're <laughs> up here in the pulpit, offering effective hybrid meetings and a more secure security system that will hopefully reduce the number of random emails that we get from time to time from Rich, apparently being in the Bahamas begging us for money. Know that that is not rich, but that you will be hearing from rich if you don't return your pledge card. Well, our mission and outreach budget has always been a significant portion of our spending, and we have become known by our mission partners as dedicated supporters of the work they are doing to be the hands and feet of Christ in ways that help create the kingdom of God here on earth. Unfortunately, last year, the proposed mission budget was cut initially by $15,000. Fortunately, an individual anonymous donor stepped forward to make up that difference, which allowed us to distribute $175,000 to our mission partners, locally and globally. This giving has been fairly flat, and so it is our hope that this year, all of our pledges will help us not only meet our current levels of funding, but even increase it. For as we know, the needs of the most vulnerable among us just continues to grow. But in addition to these exciting initiatives, I have also witnessed the worry lines on the faces of those who serve on properties. While you never hear them complain, the burden of keeping this old house running is substantial, and they do everything in their power to spend conservatively and carefully. Scott, our facilities manager, is frequently able to repair those things that would otherwise require an expensive contractor. But the upkeep on any property of this size is challenging, and the care and keeping of a historical, sacred space like ours is significant. 
If you were around this summer, you may have known that pipes in the tunnel beneath the education building broke. The air conditioning in the sanctuary had to be completely replaced. The lighting in the parlor suddenly failed. The village is adding unexpected fees for water reclamation. And as we all know, utility costs are rising. And while we never want to make an idol of our buildings and grounds, many of you have experienced the divine while worshiping in this beautiful space. And so let us be good stewards of what we have inherited. And I would be remiss if I didn't lift up our amazing staff. And while I love my clergy colleagues, I'm going to leave us out of this section of my sermon. You see, the majority of our staff are paid well below what they would be paid for sharing their talent in a business or for-profit organization. Our staff work here because they feel they have been called to serve and because they love God, this congregation, and they consider their work ministry. In addition, all of our staff who are also members, which is most of them, pledge back a portion of their salary. So just like you who make an annual pledge, we are beyond blessed with a dedicated, talent, talented, abundantly generous staff. And so we need to compensate them as fairly as we are able to do so. Well, we heard in scripture that there is much more required from those who have been entrusted with much. We heard in scripture from our earliest ancestors what a privilege it is to share generously. And we have inherited abundantly from our most recent ancestors. And so now, yes, it is our time to invest in the future of our children, our community, and our world. No matter our income level, our money cannot go unsacrificed. Whether we spend it or keep it, we always offer it to someone. And it is always appropriate to ask ourselves, to whom? Long before death pulls from our grip what we cannot take to the grave, let us acknowledge it all as gift and gift it back to God as an offering for God's use. After all, a functioning congregation rests on a web of mutuality, a willingness among all involved to share enough with one another to accomplish what no one person can do alone. Blessed be our ties that bind us in mutuality. Amen. <laughs>